y'all. I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, postpartum care is just as important as prenatal care for new moms. Mom's identity can be just as complicated and nuanced as dad's. And if you don't give me your seat on the subway, I'll put you in Frank Underwood's grave. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Beaver Talk. Hi. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Diana and I are joined by two um, beautiful and pregnant ladies. <laughs> we are having a conversation about um, pregnancy and motherhood and I feel like it's so funny because the minute you guys sat down, it was like, bup, 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 bup. how are you feeling? How's this? When's your due date? I feel like there's such an opening that happens um, that I feel like I've never experienced before of like needing to know all the details, wanting to connect with someone. And I'm so excited to get into some of the really the more nuanced topics that I feel like are totally missed, you know, not only in the media, but in life and culture. I feel like there's so much about this experience that I thought I knew, but I didn't at all. Um, and so I'm so excited to talk to both of you. Um, I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves and also tell us a little bit about your, I know you both also have children. So give us a little bit of a background. Who wants to start? Kelly, you want to start? Sure, great. Um, my name is Kelly Robbins Hicks. I am an executive producer of an HBO show called Random Acts of Flyness, which was featured on Beaver Talk already. Thank you. Um, I am a mom, which is still crazy to say to me, even though it's almost been two years. I have a 21-month-old son, and I am, I guess, nine months pregnant, <laughs> due in two weeks um, with my second son. So I have two under two, so things are going to be very busy in my house, but excited about the uh, the future and sort of like redoing this mom thing with a little more perspective. Hmm. And I'm so excited to hear from both of you. Novara. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Novara Golhar, and I am a senior consultant at a company called Challenger Inc. We basically help Fortune 500 companies sell better and market better based on our research and best practices. I'm also the co-founder of a um, soon-to-be relaunched and rebranded organization called The Hyphen Life. So who knows, maybe I'll be back to talk about <laughs> that, but it's all about um, celebrating hyphenated Americans and the contributions they make here. Um, I am also a mom to a boy. It's funny, we sat down and we realized we have so much in common. So I have a boy that is going to be three in February, and um, I am due December 13th with my second boy. Um, so crazy also to say that I am a mom. It feels it doesn't feel real sometimes, but it's the best and hardest job I've ever had, hands down. I feel like let's jump in because I feel like the identity piece is so is something that I've really been grappling with. And you guys have both just named that the term mom. I, I think just because we obviously we all have a mother, we grow up with this narrative of like it meaning something. So there's so much there's so much story attached to it. What does it mean to be a mother? What does the media think of when they think of mothers? And like the other day I was like, oh shit, like I'm gonna be a mom. Like it just blew my mind. And I was like, what does that mean? Am I not cool anymore? Like, I should I get more tattoos? Like I was freaking out. Um, how have you, and you guys still feel like you're kind of settling into the yeah. identity even a couple of years later. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, everything you just said, I felt and still feel. Yeah. Um, I. I think it's a lot of like what we've been taught about what a mother is. I think growing up with, you know, moms and what that meant 20, 30 years ago and mm -hmm. what it means today is very different. Um, so it's been really important for me. It's a, it's a daily thing to remind myself that I get to decide the narrative of what my motherhood looks like mm -hmm. and not... Um, I don't have to like bake cookies and be on the PTA mm -hmm. and do Pinterest crafts. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. It's just not me. That's not my motherhood thing. And um, it's hard because that's what we see constantly. And so you're sort of trying to like measure yourself up to this bar of like, well, I didn't, you know, 
make my son's daycare teachers like handcrafted gifts for Christmas. I gave them Amazon gift cards. That's what I can do. <laughs> um, so it's it's a daily struggle of like, what does it mean to be a mom? What does my mom look like? Like me, motherhood look like, as opposed to what I thought it would look like, what my friends look like as moms. Like it's a, it's, it's a constant, constant thought. Mm-hmm. For me, it's... Um... What I found really interesting is that obviously I grew up with a very strong mom. I have a very, really deep connection with her and respect her, always have. But I told her, I'm like, mom, I think I kind of took you for granted. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize, like, again, I've always respected my mom. I've always had an immense amount of love for my mom. But after becoming a mom myself, I was like, wow, this is what it means to be a mom. Like the sacrifice, um, always putting other people first. I'm like, I just can't tell you, mom, how much more I respect you. And that sounds bad because I always have. Yeah. But it's just become so much more real to me. And it made me a little sad because I think in general as a society, like we don't value that. We just kind of, you know, assume, oh, yeah, mom's always going to be there. She'll take care of this. She'll take care of that. But it's never recognized and truly appreciated. And so that was the one thing that I still think about almost daily is like, this is what my mom went through. You know, she was in Iran and had her own TV show. And then they immigrated to the United States. And, you know, she had to put everything basically on the back burner for the sake of the family. And she supported my dad while he, you know, pursued his professional ambitions and has always been there for our family, but never voiced that she felt like she was missing out on anything. You know, she never voiced that she was sacrificing anything. She just kind of did it. And so we always just assumed, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. So that's something that I'm always thinking about is making sure I truly appreciate like not just my mom but recognize what I do daily is pretty badass and you know I should be proud and all the things my fellow moms are doing it's really hard and we should be um more aware of that yeah it's so interesting I feel I feel the same I feel like my relationship with my mother has totally shifted and I my mom and I are best friends we talk every day but like it's so cool now to be like, oh, my God, did you experience this or did you feel this? And just, you know, to your point, like the sacrifice that you even your body makes like she mm-hmm. has her and my aunt have these crazy like varicose veins like all over their legs. And I'm starting to get them. And I'm like, did pregnancy like fuck up your legs? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so it's like you you sacrifice like parts of your body. Mm-hmm. It's like crazy. It is. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. I actually I was at my sister-in-law's house, and they have, a, like, a lower mirror in the bathroom. So I haven't really seen <laughs> a lot of what's going on below the navel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I looked in the mirror, and I was like, holy shit, my entire stomach is covered in stretch marks, which didn't happen the first time. And I, I went to my husband, and I was like, your son is fucking my body up. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, it'll, it'll go back. And I'm like, no, no. There's some of this stuff that just, just doesn't. is. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it's okay. I mean, you know, it's a part of being a mom and mm-hmm. like some, sort of the sacrifice that we give. But it was like, damn, like their bikinis are done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and certain outfits. I actually, it's really funny. I think it's like, um, it was almost like a mental or ceremonial thing for me. Um, I have all these outfits that I used to wear pre-baby. And they were super cute little dresses or whatever. <laughs> Now, I, like, try to put myself in them. I'm like, I'm going to make it a shirt. I'm going to make it a shirt no matter what. I'm just going to throw on leggings. Um, But, like, I did give away half of them to my younger cousin. And it felt like I almost wanted to cry a little bit Mm because I was giving a piece away of, like, what I used to be and what my body used to be. I still have a handful still. <laughs> You're holding on. on to them. I'm holding on. You never know. Yeah. And so, but it was really funny. I did feel like when I passed it over to her, like I should sing a song or light some candles or something. Cause I was like, this is a momentous occasion. I'm okay with the fact that I'm not going to fit in these things anymore, yeah. you know? And I just need to go buy a new wardrobe. I mean, maybe I'll go shopping after this or something. But I it's, feel it's like a big that change. was really hard for me too, because I feel like I've been like pretty much the same size like my entire adult life. And so when my body really started to get big, I had like such body dysmorphia about mm-hmm. it. I was like, oh, I'm not pre- like, I don't look pregnant and I don't like, and it's like a running joke in my house that I'm like, do I look fat? Like, do I look pregnant? And my husband's <laughs> like, oh no, you look great. 
um, when I'm clearly like huge. But I think having to like even buy new shoes, like there was such guilt around like I'm going to buy shoes that I'm going to wear for I don't know how long. It's just such, it's such an intense thing, I think, to watch your body go through that. And then I think yeah. to your point, Nobar, like to say goodbye to your mm-hmm. to your clothes. I looked at like a bodycon leopard dress that I had and I was like, oh my God, like I was so beautiful. <laughs> and like my waist was so small. And you just, you really don't even appreciate those things. It's kind of like looking at a photo of yourself when you're younger mm-hmm. and being like, man, I was, I really had it going on. And yeah. in the at the time you're like, oh, this feels bad and this mm-hmm. is, um, did you guys have any other stories about just the changes in your body or how it felt to kind of see yourself tr- really transform? Um, I mean, every again, everything you're saying is exactly my experience. I was very careful this time around, actually, about my nutrition and my health. And like, I couldn't, I shouldn't even say working out, but just trying to be a little bit more active than I was the first time around because... I didn't ever get back to where I wanted um, after mm. my first child. Close. I also didn't try that hard because I was a mom and I was working and I had yeah. a lot of other stuff going on. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be very like careful and conscious about what I do in this pregnancy. And for the most part, I'm happy with what's happened with my body this time around. But I also had to just kind of let it go. I remember the first time I was weighing myself every day. Mm. Literally every single day I was weighing myself. And I said, that doesn't seem healthy. I don't weigh myself every day if I'm not pregnant. Why would I do that just to see how much weight I was gaining? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I tried to to be more conscious but also let it go a little bit more. Um, We'll see what happens after. (laughs) (laughs) But I just didn't want – since I didn't feel like I got back to where I wanted, I didn't want to, like, make that deficit even larger – after having another kid, because I feel like it probably is going to be even harder this time mm. to sort of get back to a place where I'm comfortable with myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, with my first pregnancy, it was, thank God, a, a good one, you know, relatively no complications. Um, I did gain quite a bit of weight um, and I never actually got back either. I think I was like close about 15 pounds away and then I injured my back and I was basically immobile for like six months. And so, I started the second pregnancy about 20 pounds heavier than I did when I started my first pregnancy. So immediately, like right off the bat, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be hard. Because <laughs> like the first pregnancy, I didn't even buy, I don't think, anything maternity. I just had everything spandex mm. from my original um, wardrobe. This time around, like in week three, I had to buy <laughs> maternity pants. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, what's going on? And so um, this time around, I'm very aware that like I'm certainly bigger this, you know, this go around. Um, but I'm also trying to learn lessons from the, from my first pregnancy. So like I really killed myself the first time around, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm the one getting up every two hours to breastfeed. And I'm like, I just did everything I could to make sure I was always there. This time I'm like, you know what, let's make sure I have extra help during my maternity leave. Mm -hmm. So if I need to go for a walk or if I need to go get my hair done or just get some fresh air and see a friend, I can. So like, I'm preparing myself to be mentally healthier this time around, Mm. but also physically healthier because I'm going to make it to the gym. (laughs) Last time I was so tired and so sleep deprived that if I had a free minute, I wasn't going to go to the gym. There's no freaking way. I was just going to take a nap, you know? Um, So that's like the big difference between the two, I think, is just being more aware that it really sucked my soul (laughs) last time (laughs) and I just have to treat myself better, you know? Because if I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of my children or my husband. Absolutely. I think that's like such a huge thing. And yeah. Kelly, you mentioned like in the intro, like talking about the perspectives that you're bringing to the second pregnancy and to the second child that you didn't have the first round. And so I'm wondering kind of for both of you, like what ad- what piece of advice or, you know, what would you say to a- Aaron and mothers <laughs> who are about to go through this for the first time? Um, something you wish you had known, just uh, like high level um, one thing that was like, like, get yourself some help so you can go get your hair done <laughs> or go for a walk or something like that. Um, th- the thing for me that ended up saving, literally saving my life, I'm not at all joking about this, was finding a mom group. Mm. It saved my life. My son was probably like three weeks old and I had been in a, um, a birthing class that was like a holistic 
natural Bradley method eight week long course. <laughs> and they also offered a mom's group and they kept telling us about it. I had a doula and she was very adamant that I should sign up for this mom's group. And I was like, I am not paying anybody any money to go sit around and talk to some people that I don't know about whatever. I was like, this is ridiculous. And three weeks in, I was losing my shit. I don't know if I had postpartum depression or if it was just baby blues or if it was just overwhelming of having a a new baby in the house and not knowing what to do, but I was losing it. And I was sitting on the sofa, I remember, I had just like heated up some food and my son had the uncanny ability to want to breastfeed the moment I had food that was warm every time without fail. And I had just heated up some food. It was about to sit down to eat it and he started crying and I lost it. And I was just sobbing. And my husband looked at me and he said, join the mom's group or I'm joining it for you. And so I did. And it literally saved my life. I found some of my best friend, mom friends out of that group. I still talk to them almost daily. And it was just so um, encouraging and reassuring to see someone else in the same position as you. All the babies were about the same age. And to like know that your baby's not broken, you're not broken, what's happening is normal, or damn, She's got it way worse than me, so maybe I should, like, relax. My kid's at least not doing that, you know? Um, that is the thing that, 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 that helped me the most. It made me, because I didn't know much about newborns or being a mom, um, what to expect. And so just having other people there to say, yeah, like, my kid doesn't stop crying. If I put him, da- if I put him down, he never stops crying. He only will sleep on me. I thought that was something was wrong with my kid because of that. And I was like, no, that's just babies. That's just what they do. And I would have never known that if I hadn't joined that group. So if you can find a mom's group or you know some other people who are due around you that are moms, like get with them and make it an intentional weekly thing. Mm. That that was huge for me. Yeah, I would echo that. Um, I didn't necessarily have like a mom's group that I did participate in one, but I didn't have the same experience as you. I think the the higher level just overall support is what I would echo. So like I I think it was actually week three for me too. Or no, <laughs> maybe not. My parents stayed with me for a while. They left. And then I think two weeks after they left, I had my breakdown. And I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm coming to Virginia. <laughs> so, you know, I just went and stayed with them because I needed the help. Mm. Um, and so, again, just being okay with asking for that help, whether it be a friend, a mom group, your mom, whomever, um, that's going to be really critical because it's just too much to take on, I think, for one human being. And, like, you want to be able to communicate with with other folks. Like, I, as much as I love doing baby talk to my son, you know, <laughs> I, need, I need to hear something back. So just having, um, you know, another person that's your age or older that you can have, like, non-baby conversations with, too, because you don't want your whole life to be consumed with that, I think that's really healthy. And it kept me grounded. There's this really beautiful New York Times article that I was going to print out and read for us, but then I forgot because of my baby brain. <laughs> um, um, but it's all about like new moms and like how, you know, women who've had a baby that's a month older than you are like the prophets and just like how like the learning and community is so important. So I'm so glad to hear you guys say that. I'm actually going to my first meetup group later today, which mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous about, but excited about. Um, it seems weird. It's not as weird when you get there. I'm like so obsessed with these conversations, though, that I just want to like listen to everyone's experience. So I'm very, <laughs> I'm very open to being there. Um, but Nobar, you said something really interesting about like the support and something that's been kind of an interesting thing to navigate is like, you know, you're not alone really in this journey. You have a partner who's, you know, part of this creation process with you, but their relationship to what's happening is so different. Like Mm -hmm. I remember in the first trimester, I felt so sick right away. Like I knew I was pregnant. My body was flooded with hormones. I felt nauseous all the time. I had like flu-like symptoms every day. And there was no denying that like my body was going through something. But my partner, Sal, was like, didn't see it. You know what I mean? Like my body didn't physically change. So he almost thought, like, he just couldn't relate to it or understand it. And it wasn't really until my second trimester when I started really showing 
that he that started like doting on me and like being more attentive. And at that point, my body went through like this like goddess high of like my nails getting long and I felt beautiful and I felt great. And like now we're sloping towards the end. So it's it has shifted again. Um, but how have you guys navigated kind of communicating or getting support from your partners? Because I feel like I had this very idealistic view of like, we're going to be equal and it's going to be something we share together. And I'm already seeing our paths totally, you know, divide. Any thoughts about this? Well, my husband has been an incredible partner. I'm just going to put that out there because before I start, but, but to your point, like I, and I, cause I do hear a lot of women being like, Oh, we're completely equal. And I'm like, really is, does that really happen? Um, and that's wonderful if it does happen for them. But I just feel like realistically, it's not possible. I mean, because like Aaron, you said, I mean, they're not feeling the nausea. 20, mm-hmm. They're not feeling the body changes. And I, know, so, I just look at him like walk around in his regular body and I'm like, I hate you so yeah. much. <laughs> and like I'll see, you know, Sean will just have like a couple glasses of wine at dinner and I'm just like salivating looking, you know. <laughs> they're just things that obviously they're not going to understand and they're not going to go through and that's totally fine. I'm not blaming him for that. But what I found really interesting is after the baby came, obviously he had a a great bond with the baby, but I felt like it took a while for him to fully understand how different our lives are now. Mm. Um, Like it was almost like he thought he could just keep living his life the same way, you know? Um, And I very much immediately, obviously, you know, knew my life had changed forever. Right. And so it was almost like a delayed response from his end. And it wasn't that he wasn't there. Like, of course, he loved our son and kissed him and fed him and whatever. But, it, you know, it was very different. Um, I was on maternity leave. He was still going back to work. So I did every single night feeding. You know, I was there all day. My, I was the one with leaky breasts. I was the one with all the stuff that he just couldn't comprehend. Mm-hmm. So it really took a while. And I... I feel bad almost saying this because I don't want, if he listens to this, to feel bad. I love you, Sean. But um, but it was, like, frustrating for me at the beginning because I was like, why don't you get it? We're not the same anymore. Like, we are fundamentally, our lives have changed. And it's not for the worse. I mean, it's just it's just changed. It's not yeah. better or worse. It's just de- different. Um, and that took a while for me. To, I had a little bit of resentment. Yeah, I'm sure. just going to say. I think know, that's totally normal. Yeah. And then... Now we're getting ready for the second child. And I'm like, just so you know, like, I can't handle this all. Like, I'm not going to do every night shift again. So I think it'll be very different for him this go around. But that was the interesting thing is that I think sometimes the partner can feel like life goes on and it's the same. Just Mm. just one little change here. But it's like, no, our lives are very different. Totally. Yeah, I keep telling Sal, I've crossed over. Like, I'm gone. It's (laughs) like, leave me behind. Like, bye. Um, 50-50 is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> even if you try your best to just especially if you're a mother who's going to nurse um i've nursed so I, I can't say what it's like um to bottle feed i feel like it's maybe i don't want to say the word easier but it's easier for the partner to be more involved mm-hmm. if you're nursing it's on you like it's your thing um but what i did do which was great and it was thanks to my crunchy Bradley class that helped me (laughs) with this idea. My husband, thankfully, had a month off um, for paternity leave. And so our, what I told him, (laughs) this was our plan, was um, all I'm going to do for the month that you're off is nurse. Mm. You're going to do everything else. And then when you go back to work, you can teach me all of the things about the baby that I need to know. Mm. Like, how to change the diaper, how he likes to be burped. And I mean, now to be honest, I changed diapers during that month and I rocked him to sleep and all the other stuff. But I made sure he was super duper hands-on that first month so that I could recover and rest. And so that he was like in it with me. Um, Because I think as women and as mothers, it's our natural instinct Mm -hmm. to sort of just like be mama bear and take over and this is my baby and do everything um, to to care for it. And I was just like, I'm... I need him to be more like present for this. And I, I really, what's funny is that I actually really did need that, not even knowing ahead of time that that's what I needed. Um, but I do feel like this going into this one, he's a little 
La La Land right now. Like, mm. how so? He doesn't seem to think that our life <laughs> is going to change that much. I see. With two, and we've got a really good system with our son, but I'm like, dude, this means now no one's off ever. Like right now, if I have our son, he can go watch TV or relax and take a nap and flip vice versa. Whereas, you know, a couple weeks here, it's like one-on-one, you know, it's no one's <laughs> giving up a baby and going to go just like hang out and do nothing. So yeah. um, I think that he's in for a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get through it. Yeah, it's interesting too, like even watching Sal with the identity piece. Like, I made him join. I'm, like, very into community. So I made him join, like, a dad's group. And I'm, like, in a mom's group. And he actually went to his, like, maybe a week or two ago. And he's, like, oh, I'm going to be the youngest one there. Like, I'm going to be, like, the coolest one there. Like, his vision of, like, what a dad is is not him. Mm -hmm. So he's so disconnected. And then we even went to a birthing class. And all the people looked like us in the room. Like, they were all young, you know, Park Slope brats. And he was like, oh, no, they were, like, way older than us. Like, he's so disconnected with who he thinks parents are. It's it's really interesting. And it'll be interesting to see how that continues to shift as she comes. My mom told me this, like, hilarious story about my dad where I have told her brothers. And my oldest brother was two and my middle brother was a newborn. And my dad went to, like, this meeting in the morning and was like, I'm just going to the meeting. Like, I'll be back. Da, da, da. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad supported the family. And he, like, didn't come back. And it got to be, like, four in the afternoon. And he wasn't home. And it got to be five. And, my, he came, and this is before cell phones. Like, there's <laughs> he's gone. Like, my mom was like, <laughs> he left. cool, this is just the state of things. <laughs> cool. Um, and he comes back in. And, like, it's six o'clock. And he's just, like, you know, whistling and, you know, just kind of going on his normal. And my mom is like, uh, hey, <laughs> like, where have you been? And he's like, oh, I checked out, you know, that painter that we saw uh, give a gallery show a few months ago. He's doing a thing downtown. And so I went and I went to see his new gallery. And she's like, this doesn't happen anymore. Right? Yeah, that's, that's over. <laughs> like, what? And so it just, like, solidified for her, like, my, you know, her whole, her body had changed. Like, she'd been pregnant twice. She has these two little kids. And my dad is still just like, able to mm-hmm. yeah just disconnect right and so it just really solidified for her she tells that story all the time because she's just like wow hello wow yeah. like oh my gosh and he's thing- super supportive but it's just that difference of- yeah but to that point it's something that i've been thinking about a lot lately my husband has a lot of like entertaining that he has to do with work and it's work but i mean it's still like really nice dinners and he's out for drinks with clients and I'm at home pregnant with, with, with my son. And I often feel guilty when I'm not there. Mm. And I don't think he feels guilty when he's not there. Oh, 100%. And I, same thing. I realized recently the change of that is not that he needs to feel guilty. I need to let it go mm. and enjoy myself when I'm not there. I don't have to rush back. I don't have to be there for every single moment. We're so blessed and thankful that our son or son's I have two parents. That we're a two-parent household. So he's with his dad. He's fine. I should go off and, like, be myself and not rush back to, I should go see the painter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Mom dog is real. It's so real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's something I'm definitely, definitely trying to work on this time around. It's funny. I had dinner with a girlfriend a couple nights ago, and we were talking about this. And I said, you know, I, because Monday and Tuesday and Thursday of this week, basically my husband had work events that were laid and, you know, there were nice dinners with all these great drinks or whatever, but they were work events. And so I was like, well, damn it, I'm going out. I don't care where I'm going. If I'm solo, I'm going out on Wednesday. So thankfully my girlfriend came with me and we went for dinner. And in the past, I wouldn't have done that. And it's funny because it's not my husband ever saying, no, you can't go right. or don't do this or don't do that. In fact, he always encourages me, but I, I always feel guilty. I'm like, oh, but then, you know, what What if he misses me when we am trying to do nighttime or whatever it may be? Like, I always end up feeling like I need to be there. And so I'm trying really hard to make sure I don't let mom guilt get the best of me because then I start resenting him mm-hmm. and it's not, it's my, not his it's fault. Not his fault. <laughs> And, and like I said, he's always encouraged me to do things like that. But I always am like, but one of us at least should be home. I don't want our nanny to always be with our, 
you know, son. He wants, I want the, at least one parent there, but sometimes it's healthy. Like mm-hmm. let him do his thing. I do my thing. And, you know, we're there plenty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're there plenty. Well, something that I th- I've been thinking a lot about and just in preparation of this episode and thinking about the way women are portrayed in the media um, and part of what Diana's tagline was is like men are allowed to have these very complicated identities, especially as fathers. You know, they're allowed to be breadwinners. They're allowed to have passions. There's like they're very multidimensional. And when we do think of the mother, it's that's your job. That's mm-hmm. your role. That's your space. And it really takes up everything. Um, and it's I think it, I think it is harmful to feel that pressure that that's what it has to be. And I think that adds to the guilt that, you know, I'm sure I will feel when you kind of move out into the world and you want to continue to live your life mm-hmm. when we're only getting this one message of how it should be and what it should look like. Yeah, my mom even, and my mother was a working mom, um, very strong woman. But it's very weird because her working mom looks much different than my working mom. Her working mom was still did everything also at home. Whereas my working mom is, I work, my husband works, we share the household together. Um, but whenever I'm off doing something, she's like, oh, is, who's watching Major? My son, what? I'm like, his father. Like, what, what do you mean? Who's watching him? He is a father yeah. that's a fully capable human being who's a participant in this life. Or like someone's like, is, is, is Broderick babysitting? No, Broderick is parenting. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> that babysit. Me, oh my God. <laughs> I just got like full body goosebumps of anger. Like with that line is like, so Do you, you think I'm babysitting when I'm with him? No, I'm being yeah. his mother. So yeah. he's being his father. And I think that that's a huge thing in society where it's just, it's not expected that dad would be alone with the kid mm-hmm. to, you know, be a father. When Sal and I first got married, he did all of the cooking and it would make my mom so mad. Like, she was like, why aren't you cooking? Why aren't you in the kitchen? I was like, I do everything else. But, like, he can have this space. Like, it's okay for, like, him to be, you know, this is for him, that to be his domain. It's interesting generationally, too, kind of yeah. the yeah. barriers that you and the expectations that you have or, you know, that are placed on you and things like that. My mom's the same. She's always like, you didn't cook for Broderick? And I'm like... <laughs> He was a fully functioning adult before I came around. He knows how to take care of himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we're coming to a little bit of a close here, but I wanted to talk about um, two quick topics before we wrap up. Um, First, I feel like postpartum, I'm kind of uh, was really like blackout into like thinking about mostly just being present in the birthing process and like trying to figure out details and then my friends I'm part of a little text chain where my two best friends um, from Buffalo have already had kids and they're like three and maybe eight months and just hearing about like the lactation consultants and the postpartum and the therapy and you know my other friend sees a chiropractor there's so much work that actually happens and needs to happen on your body post baby that I'm like, oh, God, I haven't thought about any of this, and it's really, like, blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it's fact also... that you even know that means you've already thought about it way more <laughs> than most people. <laughs> but it's also crazy because a lot of it's not covered by your insurance. Right. So it's like we have these really intensive prenatal processes where you're going, you know, getting checkup every week, and then all of a sudden you have the baby. And not only is, like, mentally, I think your brain probably totally exploded with hormones, but then your body is, like, essentially broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's no care and support in the United States. And I actually was doing some research. um, And I'm just going to rattle off some of these countries. But basically, China, Korea, Japan, Malaysia, India, um, several African nations, the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, and Mexico all have really intensive, um, basically between four weeks and 30 days and can even go up to three months where the community rallies around new mothers and takes care of them and says, you know, you're focused on the baby. We're going to be focused on you. And I think it's really interesting that I feel like in the United States, we don't have this conversation about what happens after. No, not at all. And I will say, I'm glad that you mentioned kind of the cultural aspect because that's something I lightly touched on earlier, but I think it's really important. I think in the United States, it's a very kind of individualistic, you know, society and, and I got it, you know, I'm going to do it solo or whatever, but it really does take 
a village, um, not just to raise the kid, but to take care of you, you know, after you've gone through something like this, because it is pretty traumatic on your body. And, and it can be, and if you have a C-section, it's major surgery. Right, yeah. exactly. And like what I think does a disservice to all the moms out there is when you see things like Kate Middleton walk out. Oh my God. We, and Diana she and looks I talked amazing. about this, like great yeah, nausea. And like, look, I'm not knocking Kate. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's fine that I understand that's her role or whatever. But, you know, you see these these women come out, they literally just gave birth and they look amazing. Or like the Victoria's Secret models. They're like, just going to say the Victoria's yeah. Secret example drives me up. The like wall. she's on the runway three months after giving birth. I'm yeah. like, really? Because I was probably yeah, still she had bleeding. From- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's unrealistic. And then it paints this picture that everybody has to walk out of the maternity ward being like, I'm perfect, right. you know, and I'm ready and to take over. on the runway. Yeah. But there was so much healing that, at least for me, that took place after giving birth. Like, I think I wore those uh, adult diapers for like, I don't know, two months or something. It was, it's a lot. And I didn't expect that um, at all. And I wish there was more attention on that. I, I wish I would have been more mentally prepared for that. Um, before we sat down, I gave a funny story, but it's it's the truth. Like, I didn't know, for example, that the first poo you have after you give birth is really freaking scary. Mm. Nobody told me that. Do you and feel like your guts are going to fall out? I mean, because, and, and again, I didn't do a section. Like I had a natural birth. all over. Yeah. And so <laughs> oh, God. I was terrified. I remember sitting on the toilet being like, what's happening? You know, help me. And then literally two days later, I was like, we have to go to the doctor. I think I, I busted whatever was down yeah. there. And she just said, no, you're fine. You're just very swollen. But again, who talks about that? No one, you know? And so I just wasn't prepared for all that afterbirth stuff and how much I had to heal. It was, a, it's a lot. I really want to get one of those like bands that you wear around your stomach. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like so afraid of just having my organs like float around <laughs> in this empty. Empty cavernous space. Yeah. <laughs> like I heard someone was talking about that on a podcast. I was like, Oh my God, that sounds gross. What an image. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of, of physical recovery that has to happen after you give birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had a vaginal birth as well. So I can't even imagine the recovery if you have a C-section. Like you said, it's made, that's major abdominal surgery. Um, and then the, like the mental healing that has to take place. I mean, like you said, your hormones are, every, you think your hormones were crazy first trimester. Wait till you give birth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's nuts. And... I mentioned earlier about postpartum. It's 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 a really scary and hard thing to sort of understand because I was watching a news report and they were talking about the symptoms of postpartum depression. And I was like, well, I had all of those, but I didn't have postpartum depression. Mm. Like there's, it's such a varying level scale, but like really minuscule from like baby blues, which is a silly name but to full postpartum depression. But I had all of the symptoms. I was anxious, I was tired, I was sad, I was despondent. I was happy, I was every like mood swing you could imagine. And you can't justify or like make sense of any of them. Not to mention you're completely sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So you're like, am I crying because I'm tired? <laughs> or am I crying because I'm sad? Or am I crying because I have postpartum depression? Right. And because we don't talk about it enough, I think, that's why it's so hard to figure out, well, do I have it or do I not have it? Mm-hmm. Because it's all sort of a secret that right. we just like cover up and just, oh, she's just, you know, a new mom. It's just hard. And I also just read a piece that said that postpartum depression can also be postpartum anxiety. Right, yeah. Which we don't really talk no. about either. Mm-hmm. You know, depression is something that I think we have a, you know, we know the difference between depression and anxiety and we don't talk about how anxious you know, if you have anxiety in the past, like having to care for a life <laughs> yeah, can be very anxiety-inducing, and that's another way it can manifest. Super. I was uh, – maybe I had postpartum anxiety. I have no idea. I was super anxious. I was constantly worried. I'm so looking forward to – hopefully this time. We'll see because, I, you know, the hormones haven't kicked in yet. <laughs> but I'm so looking forward to just having a baby and being comfortable with having a baby mm-hmm. and sort of enjoying – being a mother, whereas last time I was literally freaked out the entire time. Every like move he made, I was like, oh God, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Should he have done that? Yeah. I remember the very first night in the hospital, 
He had kind of like rolled over to his side a little bit. He never was really a very good back sleeper. And he had like put his little finger in his mouth. And I just remember staring at him and being like, is he allowed to do that? <laughs> Should I call the nurse? And it's yeah. like, I just, now I'm like, oh, it's fine. Relax. Who cares? It's no big deal. Yeah. But I had no clue. And I was just shell shocked by right. all of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can't imagine how emotionally hungover you are after you. I mean, I can't, and I can't even think of another more transformative experience of like giving life, you yeah. know, giving birth to a life. So. We don't even talk about the mental shifts and transformations that happen. Were you going to No, I was just going to say I did the same thing. Um, I had my son in a bassinet right next to me, and I'm not kidding or exaggerating. When I say I think I slept with – well, slept, I'll use that term loosely (laughs) – with one eye open the entire first, like, two, three months because – any move he made, they make so many sounds when they're mm-hmm. newborns, right? And so any move he made, any sound he you made. Just get so nervous. Yeah, I kept jumping up and I'd like make sure I see his little chest going up and down or I'd put my finger under his nose. Is he breathing? Is he okay? Because you also hear about SIDS and all these totally. things and it's terrifying. So any sound he made, I was like right there, you know, looking over him. Is he okay? Do I need to do anything? Do I need to pick him up? But I'm hoping, to your point, that this time around I'm going to just be a lot more relaxed and realize like, those sounds, those are normal. It's okay. Yeah, she, fingers crossed that actually she works. Was, she was hiccuping like four times in a day once, and I had a panic attack. Like I lost <laughs> my mind. I like called the hospital. I was like, and I've I've been pretty chill for the most part, but I was like, I read online like one sentence that was like, it could be the umbilical cord strangling them, and then that was <laughs> that the did, only yeah. image I could see in my brain. And I'm like calling my doctor, and I was like, I really had to just. She's moving. She feels normal. I don't feel any distress. I'm like, I have to let this go, but I can imagine it just like consumes your brain because you yeah. just, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, on a final note, I feel like birth in the media and like when we think of like the dramatic, uh, you water know, water breaking, breaking yeah. which <laughs> whatever, we could talk about uh, all of these narratives forever and ever. And I feel like, thank you guys for being here because this has been so fun. And I feel like we'll have to have you back, you know, when... I've had the baby and we'll have like a new mother in conversation. Um, But I feel like there's so much negativity and so much drama and so much, I don't know. It's like almost like one upping of the pain of the process. And so as a final note, I'd love to hear like your favorite part of either giving birth or having the new baby. Like what is, where's the joy? Like what's the, the silver lining of the, of this intense process? I can tell you right away what mine is. <laughs> yeah. And I'll try not to get emotional because <laughs> the hormones are flying. Um, <laughs> I loved that time in the hospital. Mm. I loved that time in the hospital. It was me, my husband, and our brand new baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and um, nobody asked me for anything. I didn't have to respond to work emails or calls. I just enjoyed the three of us. Mm. And, like, he stayed, my husband stayed the night with me in, in the hospital room. So it was just, like, so nice. He was sleeping. I was awake. And I just kind of, like, looked over. And I was just so happy that we were all together. And it was those three days where nobody's going to ask me for anything. I can just enjoy the moment before I go home and the chaos begins, right? Um, that was the best. Mm, I love hearing that because I'm nervous about being in the hospital. Oh, really? No, Yeah, and I feel like it's going to be, like, stressful. No, because if you need help, nurses are there. Yeah. Like, you know you're taking care of – if you need anything, you just press a button. And the nurses are literally angels on earth. They are. Nurses are the most amazing things ever. Um, We sent them cupcakes afterwards (laughs) because they were just so great. They helped me when I struggled breastfeeding. Anytime I needed anything, they were there. Um, So knowing that I had that support, but I also could just – be in the moment and enjoy it and just be like, this is my brand new baby and mm. I have him and he's here finally. You know, it was, it was amazing. Cool. I don't know if I have an answer. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping to have a moment like that this time. Mm. Um, I was, now I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> I literally was so shell-shocked mm. that I just was, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if I was coming or going I just, I hadn't slept. I hadn't eaten. I was exhausted. I do remember, though, speaking of how great the nurses are, and like, and I'm terrified of hospitals. Um, I went, we went home, and I remember saying to my husband, we should go back to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's somebody there that knows what to do. They take care of us there. I'm lost. (laughs) 
Um, and I guess one thing I do want to say, though, to, to just that was really important that someone said to me um, was it's okay if you don't have this overwhelming love of your baby um, right away. I didn't have that. And it's taken a while for me to even get that. I mean, now I think he's the greatest thing in the world. And I was actually saying last night, like, is it just because I'm his mom or is he really <laughs> the greatest thing in the world? Because I think he really is the greatest thing in the world. But um, what I did feel immediately was an overwhelming sense of responsibility. And in some ways, that is love. Um, I knew that this was like my job. This was my like mission. And I had to take care of him. And that was the most important thing. And I had to recognize that that was love, even if it wasn't this like flowers and butterflies and, you know, ice cream. <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to hopefully having a, a moment at some point this time around where I feel very like happy and settled and safe. Um, I did not feel that the first time. Hmm. I think that's really important to name because I think another, you know, narrative is that like the mother's love or your motherly instinct is going to kick in immediately and right away. And I've definitely had friends you know, who hated their whole pregnancies and like then hated, the, not the hated, yeah. but felt that immense responsibility and couldn't emotionally connect. And it took a really long yeah. time. And that's, I think that's 100% normal. And I think we feel guilt and we feel shame around that. Um, and just like our partners need time to adjust, like our bodies go through s such an intense process. Like, I, of course, like it's going to take everybody a little bit. It's, it's going to be a different scope. One question I did want to ask, kind of riffing off and closing off, is, uh, you know, we have so many examples in the media that are negative, like the Kate Middleton example, the Victoria's Secret Angels, all of these things. There are so many negative things that are portrayed about motherhood and pregnancy in Hollywood. But I wanted to know if there's anyone, any celebrities or any women that you see in the public eye that you look up to or are inspired by, by the way they've handled motherhood or the way they talk about it or the way that they share their experience. I was actually and quite surprised and sort of impressed with uh, Beyonce's latest reaction to her pregnancy with the twins and talking about how her body had changed and how she was okay that she like still looks pregnant, which she doesn't, but you know, <laughs> um, because I think she's someone who like really strives for perfectionism and has an idea of what the world expects of her and has probably always matched up to that. And for the first time was like, fuck it, I don't care. Like I'm a mom of three. Mm. Like you'll deal with whatever I'm feeling, what I look like, any of it. Um, and also her speaking out that she had a difficult pregnancy. I think um, a lot of times we hide that. Like people have, a lot of women, especially because we're having children older and older now, have really difficult pregnancies. And if we don't talk about it, then people feel alone and isolated and like there's something wrong with them. And people just... All women need to know that like all of it is normal, all of it is okay. Let's talk about it so that you don't feel this like shame about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the one person that I'll admit, like I don't follow her religiously or anything, but I have seen posts from time to time and have been impressed is Chrissy Teigen. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I have her in my notes. As yeah. That. Um, I love that she'll post the picture where she looks totally like, you know, disheveled or whatever. She like has the baby on her boob or, you know, she says that she's sleep deprived and she talks about the realities. I think that's wonderful. I wish more celebrities did that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so she's probably the one person I'd mention. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and actually, Miranda Kerr. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, I was scrolling through and I saw a headline and she's like, I'm totally fine with the fact that I have a mom bod. And yeah. I thought that was great because I think she's getting criticized because she was a model. And, you know, all models are expected to look perfect and walk down the Victoria's Secret runway. But she's not quite there, you know, and that's fine. She just had a child. Yeah, definitely. Chrissy Teigen, I think, is uh, someone she talks so much about how unequal it is, how it's not 50-50. Yeah. And she brings up all the time, like, John Legend, her husband, like, she's like, doesn't, he does stuff. She's like, I'm doing most of it. Yeah. And she's like, she did an interview on uh, for, at an awards show, and she just said, you know, I don't look like this if I don't have to. And I, if I have to look <laughs> like this, I have an army of people who come to my house. She's like, I don't go get ready in a hotel room like so many people uh -huh. do before a show. They come to my house. They do my hair and makeup. Somebody puts me in a dress. <laughs> my mom lives with us. We have a nanny. 
And she's like, if I don't leave the house, none of this happens. Like she's like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And I love that she's just so candid about yeah. um, how much it takes. She was also someone that was really open about her postpartum depression, yeah. which I thought was huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And with her struggles getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Serena Williams, too, yeah. Was, yeah. had a big year of... Yeah, Serena Williams. Like, I love her. God, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, she's yeah. just like, it's ridiculous. Every time, I was always a huge Serena Williams fan. Like, I think I'm Serena Williams sort of a little bit. You kind of are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, after she became a mom, and it was shortly after I had become a mom, and then to see her back out on the tennis court oh, and yeah, doing yeah, so yeah. well. I mean, every time, I'm going to cry now, every time she plays, I'm like, how the fuck is she doing this? <laughs> like, I can barely get out of bed. Yeah. She's like in the finals of Grand Slams. Like, that is yeah. incredible. And then actually I was watching um, the U.S. gymnastics, or it was World Gymnastics. There's two Russian gymnasts who are mothers. Wow. And I was like, that is insane. And one... Wow. One of them was on the balance beam, which is also just insane. And she was saying, well, just because I'm a mom now doesn't mean my life stops. It's just another thing to add to what I do. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Sure. <laughs> go, girl. Yeah. So it's, I think that's super awesome that we have so many um, powerful, amazing, strong women in so many different fields now that are standing up and being like, I'm a mom. Yeah, but I'm still me and I'm still all these other things, too. And don't tell me I can't be those things because I'm a mom. For sure. Well, ladies, I mean, you guys are great examples as well, changing the narrative, reshaping what it means and defining it for yourself. And Diane and I had the best time talking with you. I feel like we could ask you a thousand more questions. (laughs) You'll have to come back. Um, And good luck with your new births. Yeah, thank Thank you. you. We're all doing this month. It's all happening. happening. December babies are the best. So thanks, ladies. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Thank you. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate them. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. They scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one I, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first boulet. Burlesque <laughs> club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!